0: Sean Hannity Show,
1: 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza? Look, just to give a summary here, um, as we have been telling you, the Russians now clearly are preparing a major offensive assault on Kyiv, as as now satellite imagery is is showing us. Uh, we now know that it was Joe Biden that personally vetoed the delivery of these jets to Ukraine. Now, why is it okay to give them javelins and give them Stinger missiles, but no, we can't give them fighter jets. It might make Vladimir mad. Um, We have White House climate concerns are slowing the plan to deliver the much-needed natural gas, liquefied natural gas, to Europe. Are you kidding me? So we're going to push, what, Europe... It further into putin's arms it's insane um we're following the who report and, and other reports about ukrainians you know told, are told by the who to destroy any pathogens they may have in these bio labs um anyway the pending iran deal is more dangerous than the original uh thank goodness! Apparently, they've hit a, they've they've hit a, a a stymied a block here. They just haven't been able to finish it. Thank God! But we still have a president that is unwilling to use our own natural resources, which we have an abundance of, and he'd rather kiss the ass of Mullahs in Iran, the murdering thug dictator Maduro in Venezuela and keep getting on his knees and begging and pleading with OPEC and Saudi Arabia. It's insane. Meanwhile, the Venezuelan vice president is meeting with a good friend from Russia, one of the top Russian officials, and uh, yeah, we're headed towards a recession. Um, and Kim Jong-un is going to launch an intercontinental ballistic missile. I mean, that, that that that's just a quick summary here. It is weakness on a level that I, I cannot even comprehend. I don't understand it. It is such a disaster. Um, Our friend Dan Hoffman wrote an incredible piece in the Washington Times, Profile and Courage, about President Zelensky. And, you know, we did this on TV, and I think it's actually more effective on radio. And it's when Zelensky quoted Winston Churchill when he went to the British Parliament seeking assistance. Now, we're still not giving... Zelensky what he's asking for, he needs anti-missile battalions, he needs more javelins, he needs more stingers, and yeah, he needs the fighter jets. Anyway, here is Churchill and Zelensky, Uh, it was a pretty powerful moment. We shall fight in France, we shall fight on the seas and oceans, we shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight
2: in the hills. We shall
1: never surrender. We will not give up and we, we will not
2: lose. lose. We,
3: we will fight till the, the end at sea, in the air. Earth.
4: We will continue fighting for our land, whatever the cost. We will fight in the forests, in the fields,
1: on the shores in the streets pretty inspiring you know i've said this before uh oftentimes when moments in history like this come about the presidents of countries prime ministers of countries they usually end up saying uh okay my life's in danger uh get me a private jet uh i want you to fill it up with gold and uh other precious metals and 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 millions and tens of millions of dollars in cash and then they'll find the country that offers them a sanctuary That's not the case. Anyway, Dan Hoffman joins us, Fox News contributor, 30-year CIA Ops Officer. Uh, He's the one that wrote this uh, op-ed in the Washington Times where he addressed the war in Ukraine. Uh, Welcome back, sir.
4: Hey, thanks a lot, Sean. Great to be on the program.
1: Throughout my career at the CIA, I was regularly struck by the extent to which our policymakers relied on analytical profiles of foreign leaders, especially during times of crisis. It is those leaders that who make the most critical, critically important decisions for their own citizens, decisions that can have a global impact as well, and you took it from there. Explain why you are so inspired by Zelensky.
4: You know, what really struck me uh, about... This crisis in Ukraine is the way that Zelensky has risen to the occasion. Here's a guy uh, who had no prior experience in the affairs of state. He was a comedian. I, I've watched his uh, movies in Russian uh, and his TV show, uh, Servant of the People. Uh, you know, and in the most stunningly unlikely of circumstances, he emerges as a great leader. He's reminiscent to me, Sean, of uh, President Reagan, who also had a, you know, a career, of course, uh, in acting. And President Reagan was known as the great communicator and Zelensky, uh, He's the 21st century leader. He knows how to deal, do social media. He's destroying Vladimir Putin in social media. He owns it. He owns the narrative. He owns a psychological and a moral edge because of his sophisticated understanding of how to get out the right optics. While Putin uh, is, is seen on television 25 meters away from his national security staff, Zelensky is hugging his minister of defense and, and having you know, Ukrainian food, basic Ukrainian peasant food. Uh, it's just been an extraordinary thing to watch. He wakened uh, the Western democracies out of their post-Cold War slumber and mobilized us all to fight for freedom and democracy. Uh, he has been the key leader in this crisis.
1: You know, it's it's very difficult. Can you explain, now that we know a little more details about what happened with the offer by Poland To give these mig fighter jets to ukraine and that it was joe biden himself that made the decision to deny him uh those those mig fighters and i'm sitting back thinking okay well javelins are okay stingers are okay but we can't provide fighter jets why not considering a a, an independent sovereign country and you know was invaded and he's killing innocent men women and children which we've chronicled at length on this program
4: yeah so Look, first of all, we have a moral and ethical responsibility to do everything we can to stop the carnage in Ukraine. Uh, It's on the conscience of our elected leaders, first and foremost, President Biden. When we ask afterwards... Did we do everything we could? Well, we didn't do everything we could to deter Russia's invasion. We know that. We threatened them with sanctions. That we we knew that wasn't going to be enough, uh, and we threatened them that we would we would support a Ukrainian insurgency. Also, not enough. We didn't give Ukraine the the the, the javelins uh, and the stingers back in April a year ago when Vladimir Putin put Putin put seventy thousand troops on the border. Putin got a summit with President Biden. Uh, And now we're looking at these MiG fighters, and yes, Ukraine has, according to Jennifer Griffin, our great Fox News colleague, roughly 50 aircraft that they can use, but they need more. Uh, And those aircraft would help them take out these Russian tanks. Um, And I agree with you. If we're giving them stingers and javelins, well, give them the aircraft. That's what Senator Romney very eloquently uh, was practically begging the Biden administration today. Give them the aircraft. You know, this administration is going to be held accountable for that. Frankly, I don't know how they, could, some of them, can put their heads to the pillow at night uh, without having done the right thing.
1: So the answer that we were giving and uh, given, and now the decision we now know is Joe Biden's himself, and the Pentagon used the excuse that and the warning Wednesday that Putin might start using chemical weapons, which obviously would escalate this crisis to a whole new level which is against geneva protocol not that he gives a rip anyway he's already a a, a war criminal by killing women and children um and you know declaring that putin will he he may use tactical nukes here we've we've got to be careful we don't want to make him angry if that's america's thinking then there's nothing that they will ever do to stop vladimir putin in other words he could walk through europe based on on that mindset and do pretty much anything he wants because we're just afraid he might go ballistic.
4: Look, Ukraine is fighting for their survival. They are fighting to win, and we're not. We're allowing Vladimir Putin to deter us from doing the right thing, and that's unconscionable. I I just... you know, we we need to provide Ukraine with humanitarian assistance and all the military assistance we can get them. It's debatable whether we should have a no-fly zone. Look, a lot of what the uh, a lot of the the Russian attacks on Ukraine are from the ground forces, their artillery and their rockets. Uh, so, you know, a no-fly zone is not going to stop that necessarily. And and you can debate the, the risks of a no-fly zone uh, resulting in kinetic action between the United States and Russia, which we have never had going back to the Soviet days. But aircraft, of course we want to do that. And uh, gosh, you know, it's uh, it's it's surprising to me that this administration is being so tentative right now when democracy is on the line in Ukraine. The frontline defender of democracy right now is President Volodymyr Zelensky. And good on him for doing it. I wish we were supporting so, him uh, more strongly.
1: All right, quick break. More with former 30-year CIA Ops Officer. He knows Russia better than anybody, Dan Hoffman. Dan Hoffman is with us. He wrote a great op-ed uh, as it relates to President Zelensky, 30-year CIA Ops Officer, as we continue. So maybe try and explain to this audience and myself, you know, how sending lethal anti-aircraft and anti-tank weapons won't provoke Russia towards uh, a tactical nuclear weapon or chemical or biological weapons. But if we send in uh, this aircraft, the 28 fixed wing aircraft, um, how do you how do you make that distinction? Or as the Wall Street Journal points out, that distinction is hard to parse, especially when the Pentagon is also saying Ukrainians don't need the jets because their other weapons are more effective. Um, I don't believe that at all. So sending less less lethal aircraft will lead to World War III, but not arms that are really deadly. It, so it seems to me they're cowering in fear. This seems to be a decision made out of fear, not out of strength.
4: Listen, at the heart of this, first of all, that is an, that's just not even a, a real argument to make. But at the heart of this is the concern that Vladimir Putin is just escalating. He's not escalating to de-escalate. He's just going to escalate. There's no diplomatic off ramp. Uh, You know, he's on the highway barreling down the road as fast as he can into those Ukrainian cities. And he's going to use whatever he needs to. And we know from past his prologue, he's going to go scorched earth. That's what he's doing. He's launching these attacks on uh, civilian, on hospitals, on residential areas, on schools. He's doing it deliberately. And he's going to keep doing it. And he is whether he uses chemical weapons or not. The way to deter him from doing that is to defeat him. If we don't defeat him, then it's more likely he's going to do that, because the Ukrainians are going to keep fighting, and this is going to look like Aleppo. So if we don't give the Ukrainians what they need to go push the Russians back and punch them in the face, then this is what you're going to get.
1: That's a predictable outcome. Listen, one of the reasons, and I, I don't think America should ever put another boot on the ground in any foreign conflict that we're not directly involved in, and I do support arming the Ukrainians who have proven over and over again that they are willing to fight hard for their country. So I'm willing to support that, especially based on the humanitarian crisis that Putin created. Putin is killing innocent men, women, and children. Putin, Putin is leveling entire neighborhoods. He's bombing, you know, 40 schools I read today have already been bombed. He's the one that took out the maternity hospital as well. So he's not playing by any rules. The problem, Dan, that we have is everybody gets gung ho about Americans getting involved in foreign conflicts. And we send our national treasure to go fight these wars. And then these politicians, they end up politicizing it and they don't fight them to win. And then we end up pulling out. And then what do you say to the parents that lost their, their sons and daughters? Never mind um and we and i'd add we have new sophisticated weaponry and technology of warfare where as donald trump used it effectively to defeat the caliphate you can push buttons in tampa bay florida and hit any location on the map um and do it quite effectively can't you
4: yeah so i would never take anything off the table ever so i'm a little bit different from you on that i would i would never have just unilaterally said we'll never deploy our troops to ukraine now will we Probably not. I can't imagine a scenario where we would. But why take it off the table? You know, we're just giving up something that we don't have to give up. Listen, I spent three years of my life in unaccompanied war zones, and the most frustrating thing is when you don't have the right equipment to keep yourself safe or when the administration isn't fighting to win. We didn't fight to win in Iraq. Uh, We allowed Shia militants who were killing our our troops uh, to go enjoy sanctuary in Iran, and we never took the fight to them like we should have. Uh, there were times we didn't take the fight to al-Qaeda like we should have either. Policy got in the way. So, look, I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, and there's so much more we can do for Ukraine be- before we even consider, you know, uh, any U.S. troops anywhere near Ukraine. You know, certainly in in those NATO countries, is fine. Uh, but, you know, more we, we could have been given them more equipment over the past year, but we didn't do that. We just ran a, a, ro- a rolling Twitter feed essentially declassifying cia intelligence that the invasion's coming well that's not very good you know not super useful if you're not doing something about it if there's no policy that that follows up on the intelligence well that's a zero (laughs) and it's extraordinarily frustrating you can hear it in my voice and i'm not even in the government right now imagine our our our, you know u.s military intelligence community seeing all this and then not seeing the policy that's got to come behind it um boy that's frustrating
1: and we don't have time to discuss the disaster that was Kamala Harris yesterday. Now the White House trying to spin uh, her bad appearance. Oh, she wasn't in Poland to broker any deal of any kind. Uh, even the former press secretary to President Zelensky said that if she ever became president, it would be a tragedy. Uh, you can't you can't get a, a higher compliment than that. I guess. Uh, anyway, Dan Hoffman, thank you. Great piece. Great editorial. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. We appreciate it. 800 941 Sean, our number, if you want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back. Tommy, you have the right to remain silent, and you might want to use it. This is the Sean Hannity Show. All right, twenty-five till the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls here in a minute. Linda, did you get any chance at all yesterday to watch this judge excoriate uh, Jesse Smollett uh, before he handed out a, in my view, a pretty light sentence? You know, a very, um,
6: very light sentence.
1: I I mean, it was a long, like 30 minute monologue from the judge. Just just it was a beat down. I've never heard anything like this in my life. And by the way, all of it appropriate. You know, if if I did this, then it means that I've shoved my first uh, my fist in the fears of of African-Americans in this country uh, for over 400 years. And the fears of the LGBTQ community, Smollett said your Honor, I respect the, your decision and the verdict. And then he gets up and he starts going nuts. I'm not. Yeah. Suicidal. Well, you know,
6: this is this is all a, this is all a game. He's one of he's one of those sociopathic manipulators. He thinks that he can get up there and talk and you know, it's like when Alec Baldwin cries. It's it's just all nonsense. It's, they're actors. This is what they do. I don't believe anything they say. You know, he was a weak actor at best. He was trying to get some notoriety. It was the worst possible way to do it. And to become a part of the woke victimization culture of, oh, woe is me. And it's like, you totally lied.
1: The judge said you are a disgrace. You're not a victim of a racist hate crime. You're not a victim of a homophobic hate crime. You're just a charlatan pretending to be the victim of a hate crime. It is shameful, uh, especially You have another side of you that is arrogant and selfish and narcissistic, and that bad side of you came out during the course of this. Your performance on the witness stand, uh, this can only be described as pure perjury. You got on the witness stand, you committed hour upon hour of pure perjury. Then he only sentenced him to 30 months probation, 150 uh, days in the Cook County Jail, and ordered him to pay the city of Chicago one hundred twenty thousand dollars in restitution, twenty-five grand in a fine, uh, which I guess was the maximum. Um, then, at, right after the sentencing, and they remanded him immediately, took him right to jail. Uh, his mugshot is now out. Uh, but anyway, the he he just stands up, screaming, "I'm not suicidal. I'm not. I'm and I'm innocent." After being scolded by the judge, listen to this. It went nuts. Jokes.
7: Comedians, mainstream talk show hosts, they make jokes about you. They do uh, sketches about you. I I can't imagine anything worse than that. This is all self-inflicted. These are things you did to yourself. This is self-damage. You've embarrassed your valuable friends in high places, elected public officials, people in the media. You've embarrassed them. You have to live with that. I don't know if those relationships, relationships can be repaired. You've become toxic in your own workplace. Your career uh, future is uncertain at very best. It was really on a rocket ship uh, to success, and now you've you've turned yourself into riches to rags, and it's so unfortunate. Your very name has become an adverb for lying, and I cannot imagine what could be worse than that. People talk about uh, situations where somebody's uh, lying and trying to manipulate and, and maneuver a story, and, and your name comes up as, oh, pulling a Justice, something like that, that's awful. You're the butt of jokes. Comedians, mainstream talk show hosts, they make jokes about you. They do skets, uh, sketches about you. I, I can't imagine anything worse than that. Now, this is all self-inflicted. These are things you did to yourself. This is self damage. Do you have any questions? No, I would just like to say to your honor that I am uh, I'm not suicidal. That's what I
4: was like to say. Okay. I'm not suicidal. I respect you, Your Honor. I respect your decision. Jail time.
0: I am not suicidal. Okay. I
4: am not suicidal. Stop talking about facts. I am not suicidal, and I am innocent. I could have said that I was guilty a long time ago.
1: Okay, did you, Linda, did you get that he's not suicidal, but he is delusional, uh, and he has—he
6: would have made a great Hamlet. I tell you, it's really just stunning performance, really beautiful, and I tell you what pisses me off the most this really really just That's takes rough. me to another level. This really makes me angry. This guy goes out there waste the resources. this, this, this guy this, this guy, guy right here, let me tell you first of all, guy, let me tell you first this of guy all. this guy thinks that he can take our resources and our cops and all, all of our district attorneys and all this time and attention for some BS claim that never happened while real people are getting hurt. Real people are suffering hate crimes. Real people need police that, assistance. That's the damage,
1: because now people that are legitimate victims of hate crimes, uh, are they gonna be believed or, oh, or is this person pulling a Smollett? Uh, he's just, he's ju- such an ass. Uh, all right, Pennsylvania, Liz, how do you really feel? And the Liz in Pennsylvania, how are you? <laughs>
3: Good, Sean how are you doing today
1: I'm good happy Friday glad you uh, checked in what's going on today
3: well it's not quite my Friday I'm a truck driver so it's not quite my Friday yet <laughs> so well
1: so, you're, so this, your so yeah. your Friday is basically when you get to your next location then you get another load and then you drive to the next location when's your next day off
3: uh, probably not till well my birthday is March 22nd so I'll probably be going home that weekend
1: Oh, man, no, that's not, a I'll lot be, of time on, on the a... road. That's you're working hard. Good for you. Now, do yeah. you, are you a owner operator? You work for a company or what? Yeah, I work for a company. Good for you. So I can't um, afford
3: the fuel. I can't afford the fuel. I mean, <laughs> no well, point in driving a truck or buying a truck. Now, I can't afford it.
1: Well, so friends of mine run a trucking company. And it, I'm not saying I'm just telling you what they tell me. They say they look for women drivers. They say they're the best drivers. They're the most reliable. Can you believe that?
3: Well, no, I've heard that from lots of people that, you know, we're more dependable and, you know, because we don't drive like maniacs like the men do. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> they, the
1: they, truth, they love their drivers. They really do. They take good care of them. They really love them. They come. They kind of become part of their family. Then you've got a group of drivers. They'll make enough money to live for a period of time, take off. And then when they need more money, they go back to work. It cracks me up. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's probably what I'll be doing in about 10 years when I'm ready to retire. I'll just work
1: when I need to. All right, but, I, I get it. <laughs> but so, But I'm but really aren't you getting compensated? Import. I know you're paying more for diesel. It's over $5 a gallon, in some places over $6. Um, doesn't that get factored into the price of, of what you get paid, the price of the load?
3: Well, no, because I'm paid per mile, so it doesn't matter what the load pays the company, and I'm sure they're charging more for the loads now because of you know.
1: Yeah, but that money's not coming out of, of your fuel. pocket, is it?
3: No, no, I make fifty eight okay. cents a mile no matter if I go a hundred miles or a thousand miles. So, but, but you're is, not you're not
1: paying for the diesel out of your pocket, is what I'm getting at.
3: Oh no, because I'm not mm-hmm. an owner
1: up. Got it. Okay. Thank you. You know what? You're you're in a good position then because your pay is not being cut. And by the way, I guarantee you the loads are costing the retailers a lot more for sure we Mm -hmm. can see it
3: definitely yeah because our company isn't gonna gonna book a load and make you know do it for nothing you know all that stuff is you know they figure so much sense for for, per mile for fuel for you know whatever you know there's all that cost stuff in there you know and i don't really know how to do it nor do i want to know how to do it i'll never be an owner up because there's just too much into it that i don't know and i would just probably bankrupt myself if i did so i just
1: you know what i give you more credit than you give yourself i bet you would do a great job you'd run a great company um obviously you're conscientious and hard working and with that kind of dedication i don't think i don't think you could fail how do you like that
3: well Uh, Well, maybe I will try it one of these days. Who knows? Um, But I wanted to talk to you about that Jen Psaki. She drives me nuts every day. She gets up on that podium and she lies, 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 lies. Mm -hmm. And she said the other day that uh, Joe Biden has pumped more oil out of the ground than, than Donald Trump in his first year. I nearly hit the roof of my truck. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know,
1: Are I, you, I hope you're in a like a rider truck, a really safe one. Are you in a good, safe truck?
3: <laughs> oh, I drive a big Volvo. I mean, I got everything in this truck. This thing is huge. But uh, it, it's just how can something that absurd come out of her mouth and people believe it? You know what I mean? Like, it, you got to realize what Trump inherited. Trump inherited what Biden and Obama did, which was nothing. I've never I- seen a more lazier president. Okay. And then you get.
1: So that's why, as he said to me last night, and we're going to play some of this interview in a final half hour today. What he said to me last night is, yeah, I inherited no energy independence. I had to build it all up. Now, when he left office, he handed Joe Biden energy independence. (laughs) And we were a net exporter of energy, and then Joe put all right. those regulations in place. So you know, it's right. a sleight of hand. It's a it's a they sophisticated way of lying. So rather than look at the fact that we're now a net importer of energy and all the regulations that have that he's put on the energy sector, and tell the truth, um, and blaming Putin for the high cost of gas when gas was already up a buck fifty a gallon on an average, it, rather than take ownership no they they'd say well we took we we produced more oil in our first year than trump did in his first year okay it's 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 just another way that they lie they're lying to us constantly and and i thought the media was you know all aghast that donald trump not telling the truth on every occasion and they'd be all over him notice no media criticism
3: now Well, we don't have a media. I mean, we don't have a press anymore. They're all just bogus idiots. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't listen to CNN, I don't listen to MSLSD, um, I call CNN Comedy News Network. I don't listen to any of them, you know, so,
1: you know, because it would just make my blood boil. Well, just make sure when you stop driving for the day that you're you're in your cab at at 9 o'clock at night and you can turn on Hannity, okay?
3: Oh, I do every night, hon. I do every night, and have wow. Trump on more because I love that man, and I hope he runs in twenty twenty four. He was so on Trump, fire
1: last night. He was great. By the way, you think Joe oh, could ever do an interview great. like that? I don't think he could.
3: Yeah, I miss. He's got to have a rally so I can watch it on, you know, uh, uh, Fox Nation. I, I love his rallies. I, I, you know, even though sometimes he says the same thing over and over again, I could listen to it over and over again. I don't care
1: because you know, you know why it, his his policies worked. It's that simple. Yes. Yeah. Liz, it's we not any such more complicated. A great
3: economy. We have we everything was great. You know, fuel was two something a gallon, you know, oh. we didn't have to worry about the border. We didn't have to worry about wars and we didn't have to worry about, you know, it, if he was still in office we would have got out of Afghanistan Afghanistan without an issue. And it's just Everything that Biden
1: has touched is a disaster. Listen, thank you for your hard work. God bless you. Drive safe on the roads, and we appreciate all you do to uh fill every store shelf uh in the country. We appreciate it more than you know. Thank you. Yeah. Take care. All right, back to our busy phones. John in Indiana. John, how are you?
2: Well, Sean, how are you?
1: Good. What's going on?
2: Well, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Ukraine. Um I feel like uh, Putin is not going to stop and he's not going to lose. I just wanted to get your thoughts on what the end game was for him. Um, I believe that he is going to continue uh, to encroach into Ukraine. I feel like if it involves, you know, guerrilla warfare on the Ukrainian side, I feel like he's just going to continue to push and. Go harder and harder with either chemical weapons or limited uh, low-yield nuclear weapons. So I just am concerned that at what point does Ukraine say, well, that's it, I've had enough?
1: I don't think that would you give up on your country? You know, there's a scene in Gladiator, you know, where uh, Maximus is asked by one of his top guys, uh, why doesn't an enemy know when they're defeated? And then Maximus says, General Maximus, would you know if you were defeated? Would you give up? Would you give up as an American if it was our country under attack? I wouldn't. You give up. No,
2: absolutely. I absolutely agree with what you're saying. The point being though, is our country is vastly different than Ukraine. And I understand your point. Uh, Absolutely, I would fight to the death. And you know, mostly everyone I know would, but-
1: So the the, the answer- Right. So you're given the right answer. And the answer is you never give up. You never give in. And I don't think they're going to. And that insurgency is going to take out a lot of of MIGs and a lot of uh, tanks and a lot of Russian equipment. And it's going to be harder than they think. Uh, Listen, I got to roll, though. John, God bless you. Have a great weekend. Quick break. Right back.